With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to Week 9, the, well, the conclusion of Week 9, RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by BakeTeams.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, much like uh, last week, or last Thursday, I should say, just by Clark Barnes. Uh, John, again, is not feeling well, so we hope John feels better. Uh, he said that he was not feeling great during this weekend, so... Hopefully, he's going to be healthy and back with us soon. But, uh, Clark, tell me how your weekend was. Hey, Pete. Great weekend. Other than having to watch the Texans game, we're a man down. But I brought stats this week to try oh, to replace John. Snap. Oh, my so goodness, we'll see if guys. we can't step it up a little bit. I'm excited. It's, it's just game over right now. As soon as Clark starts bringing stats to the table, you know that we're a legit, a legit media organization. That's right. We're like the New York Times over here. Let's do it. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so we will, of course, uh, break down, be breaking down all of the games that were on the beautiful week nine circuit. We'll be giving our winners and losers for each game, a little thing that we like to do. Uh, but to start, let's make sure we knock off the players who helped no one in week nine. If you don't believe in the Twitter sphere, which, you know, if you've survived this long without a Twitter account, props. If you don't do the Twitters, uh, here are here are your nominees for the coveted award of helping no one in week nine. Uh, Corey Clement, the running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, who had 12 attempts for 51 yards, two touchdowns, with one reception for 15 yards and another touchdown. Jay Cutler, who had 311 yards, I believe, for three touchdowns and one cigarette. AJ Green, with one reception for six yards. Mike Evans with one reception for 13 yards. Oh, more on AJ Green to come. Oh, yes. Football that fans. is a teaser, people. That is a teaser of what you can expect down the road. And finally, Leonard Fournette, our fifth nominee for this coveted award, like I said, who didn't even play because he forgot to get his team photo taken. Clark, who do you nominate for this week's uh, coveted award of You Help No One? So we're playing this game live. This is the first I've heard of the nominees. And I'm going nice. to have to go with Leonard Fournette. Uh, I'm scrambling, making my DFS lineups. I'm excited. The $3 game is still not full yet. So I've got Fournette and Gurley because they've just been tearing it up. And even though they're expensive, they have been producing. Fortunately, I see the tweet go off about 20 minutes before the games. Fournette is out for a stupid Tom Coughlin decision. Do not play Leonard Fournette. So I scoop up TJ Yeldon in a couple of leagues where I was just absolutely desperate. Uh, so he helped me, but I am probably the only one he helped. So that's why I'm picking Leonard Fournette. Uh, don't sit your superstars, Jaguars. 
Luckily, they were able to pull out the victory, but had they not, uh, you could have bet that there would have been much reprimanding uh, from the uh, coaching and front office for that move. I had Corey Clement, and let me tell you why. Because a three-touchdown performance is a rarity in the professional football world from a running back or a wide receiver. And the fact that a running back who was owned in 1% of Yahoo leagues was able to put together this performance, especially in a backfield that just got Jay Ajayi, which many people thought was going to completely limit the uh, fantasy value of every other player in that backfield. Now suddenly Corey Clement goes for 51 yards, two touchdowns, and a touchdown through the air. My goodness. Thank you, Corey Clement, but you helped no one. Yeah, absolute heartbreaker when the third and clearly third running back just decides to get a lot of touchdowns. Just because why not? You know, let's just completely screw with the fantasy world because why bother? Uh, I will say for the winner on faketeams.com, which you can go, we have a poll posted every time, every Monday morning. So you can go in future weeks and vote for who you think uh, among among the nominees should be uh, awarded this award. Uh the winner on faketeams.com was AJ Green for getting ejected by a fair number of votes, which I found surprising. And Heath, fellow writer who and often guest of the show, Heath Caps, uh, brought this up in the comments, which I agree with. You can count AJ Green's as a as a you help no one performance simply because it wasn't like he was going up against the Colts or a team that was expected to have an off or has an awful defense. He's going up against the best pass defense in the NFL. And arguably Jalen Ramsey's the best corner in the NFL. Like I had credit Jalen Ramsey shot him down completely shut him down. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I even went so far in my DFS articles to say, just, you should not, you shouldn't even touch AJ green. Don't, don't buy him because he was, I think like the third most expensive wide receiver in FanDuel, And it's just like, not worth it. Yeah, and uh, I follow the AFC South pretty closely, and as much as it pains me to say it, Jalen Ramsey is just 100% legit. We haven't seen a quarter like him come around since Patrick Peterson, and now you don't ever see Patrick Peterson because everybody just knows you just don't throw at him. Right. Uh, But you had to start him. You had to. Yeah, exactly. Um, You can avoid in DFS, but you had to start him and just a tough, tough line. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll have no, more on that later, but good call by Heath. That's a hard, yeah, it, exactly. I appreciate, shout out to Heath for that because I can see if you look purely at that satellite and the fact that he got ejected, yeah, yes, that's that sucks. Um, but I would say, I mean, even Mike Evans, who's also on that list, the Saints are now a fa- like a, a, a good defense. Like Marshawn Lattimore, more on that later, another teaser. So many... So many. Okay, we should just get into the week by week because yeah, let's I think be honest, so. it's this. W- the NFL became the WWE this week, and I, for one, am very excited by it. Despite my how much I hated several of the games I covered, really good weekend this week for NFL. Football. A really good weekend for the NFL. Uh, let's start with you, Clark, and probably I would say the biggest surprise of the weekend, given that uh, for us, the entire fake teams football staff did not pick. This anyone picked the uh, Washington, the team from Washington to beat Seattle in their house. And yet that is exactly what happened. Give us some winners, winners and losers from the uh, Washington Seattle game. Sure. This game, even though it was 17, 14, the team from Washington, whose name is questionable, uh, beats Seattle, who Seahawks, you know, that's fine. Uh, 
this was a real slog match, not of bad offenses not being able to score, but of really good defenses getting pass rushes, and both quarterbacks looking pretty good in the face of a lot of adversity. So I thought this was a really entertaining game, uh, 17-14. The, the winner here, I think, are Russell Wilson owners. This is a couple of weeks in a row where he's just looked lights out, and he put up a big score in a match where he only scored 14 points. Um, that's with a safety boys if you watch the game uh so there's a winner and i don't think there's any really big losers here because the the game was really entertaining i think most of the guys that you played looked good we actually saw just uh make a couple of plays this game yeah Uh, and so there's a lot of hope for washington fans and seattle that division's i mean other than the rams is really weak what the hell is going on like oh man what is happening that Seattle's going to try to sneak in as a wild card and maybe be one of the scariest teams right. out of the division. Uh, no real losers here. Just really enjoyed watching the game. I mean, Rob Kelly punches in a t- couple of touchdowns for you. Cousins looks good. I mean, he was under pressure all game, but he didn't look bad. He didn't have those Kirk Cousin moments where he just throws a couple of really bad picks. So no big losers. Really fun game. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, go back and watch it. Quickly, before we bounce on to the next game, the Rob Kelly, he punched in two touchdowns there. Was that was that part of the Washington's game plan? Like, is he now, do you see a trend in that he's going to be their kind of goal line and you're trusting him to get those goal line yeah. touches? No big change there. There were two okay. goal line plunges and he's always been the goal line back. So just what you would expect, the opportunities just came up in this game. Perfect, perfect. Uh, let's move on then to... Another, well, maybe I would call it a surprise. I had even given out and I, and I cold take exposed myself on the Twitters this morning. Uh, I had given out some uh, advice. Someone had asked me whether or not they should start Derek Carr or Carson Wentz. And I thought Derek Carr going up against the Miami Dolphins defense. That's uh, yeah. like not great. I was like, sure, start Derek Carr over Carson Wentz, who's playing the best pass defense in the NFL, or one of the best defenses in the NFL. I, I Again, I have to get used to thinking that the Jaguars are like a legit entity right now. It's weird. Uh, yeah, I can't. Even though I'm watching it every week, it's still really hard for it's, me to say that as somebody who's been watching the AFC South for the past decade. Exactly. Like, they're not good, right? They're not, no, they're, they're, they're I okay. Shouldn't, I shouldn't be referencing them at any point in the top 10 or a top five. Anyways. So I was like, you know, maybe you shouldn't start Carson Wentz, start Derek Carr. Well, shocker, winner for this game, Carson Wentz, who completely showed me up and threw for four touchdowns against a Denver Broncos defense that looked lost. And what's crazy about it is that he only threw for 199 yards. He didn't even throw for 200 yards. The the Philadelphia offense looks just click firing on all cylinders. And it is scary now that they've incorporated JHI into that offense. They just have so many weapons in that backfield to deploy so many weapons now in the passing tack to deploy. And Carson Wentz is taking full advantage of them. He is a hundred percent legit. He's the only, he's the only behind Alex Smith as crazy as that sentence sounds uh, for the best fantasy player this year, which is preposterous. What world are we living in? I don't understand. The Jaguars have a a number one defense and Alex Smith is the best fantasy player. What? Yeah. So I, just to echo your point, Carson Wentz, I think, showed, for people that were still doubting, like myself, he showed even if he doesn't have the biggest game in the world, he's still good, and he's going to chuck it up to a bunch of big, tall, wide receivers. So I think this is kind of his – he has cemented himself as in your DFS plays or if you've had him and you've thought, like, "Uh, should I go so-and-so or Wentz, this game just cements 
it's Wentz. You just got lucky. You picked Wentz, is, Wentz is starting the rest of the season. You yeah. don't, you do not bench Wentz because he has gone up against the best matchups and he has succeeded every single time. No, he is a hundred percent a must start from this point outward. Yeah. And uh, people got helped out if they were scrambling to replace Zach Ertz by Trey Burton, who right. I had never heard of until 15 minutes before this game comes through with a couple of catches and a touchdown. So who to thunk? Uh, loser day. for this game is our very own Clark for saying that you shouldn't start JHI this week. <laughs> yeah, swing and a miss. Swing and a miss uh, on that one. I wouldn't have started him either. So, you know, jokes on all of us for thinking that it takes time to, I guess, acclimate to a uh, to a new team's playbook or whatever. Um, in reality, the real losers for this game is the Broncos offense, man. I mean, it's good to see that Bro- Brock Lobster still sucks. And it's just, it, there were some throws that he threw. He threw one pass into triple coverage. His interception was literally the, the he, defender. He threw one pass into triple coverage? <laughs> there That's was one. generous. I, I should say, I should say, I saw one. There's one that made itself around the uh, the Twitter sphere of a, just a horrendous pass into triple coverage. Uh, it's just, he just makes, he makes choices in the passing game that I can't comprehend. Like, I just don't know what he sees that he's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw this throw because... Hey, why not? Um, the Broncos are going to be starting him again next week against the Patriots. I would say that that's great that like I, as a Patriots fan, love this. However, he did beat the uh, Patriots in Denver. I was it two or three years ago on their Super Bowl run. Uh, so crazier things have happened. But nonetheless, uh, it's Brock. Brock Lobster is, is back in the NFL. And much like everyone expected, he is still a pitiful, pitiful excuse of the quarterback. Yeah, I don't want to see anybody fail because I'm not a crappy person. But I think if you're looking for what Brock is going to look like next week against the Patriots, watch what he looked like last year with the Texans against the Patriots. He looked exactly how I remembered. Uh, Did not the look Broncos good. are just in quarterback purgatory. They're, they they're really are, which is such a – and we'll move on to the next team after this. But such a perplexing – place for them considering the fact that at the beginning of the year they looked completely set they looked like they had a Super Bowl defense and Trevor Simeon was taking the steps to developing as like a pretty stable you know starting quarterback who was able to get you points and and move the offense and now he's completely fallen off a cliff you're stuck with the choice between Brock Lobster and and Paxton Lynch who has been despite being a first-round pick hasn't seen the field at all because presumably the guy a can't stay healthy and B can't play the position. So the, the Broncos are suddenly now in a very, a very weird position, which is, which is. Yeah. And and one of those teams that if they reel off six in a row at like 13 to six, you're not going to be surprised because their defense is still legit, but they just have so many quarterback problems, right? So many QB problems. Moving on to another game with lots of surprises, the Arizona Cardinals going into San Francisco and turning back the hands of time because Adrian Peterson sets a career high in carries and runs all over the 49ers defense. Clark, oh my goodness. He's got to be a winner this week. Yeah, so we'll start with, AP's performance. I mean, through the fantasy lens, great. Uh, but I, I I watched this game right before the podcast. This had to be the most unimpressive 159 yard performance I'd ever seen. I kept waiting for that, like, oh, this is the one that he's right. gonna break. And his big breaking runs were like nine yards, ten yards. So I, I feel bad because what did he average. I well, so 37 attempts, 159 yards. I'm no yep. mathematician, but that's like what four and a half yards a carry or something so, yeah. like that. So it was just they just kept giving him the rock and he kept yeah. getting like five yards. He didn't lose many yards, so yeah. 
but nothing really impressive. And I don't want my bias to come in because when he was traded, I said, don't bother. And that's obviously yeah. been the wrong decision, but he doesn't look great. He, he just doesn't look that but, good. And he got a ton I, of carries and made it, made it pay off. 159 yards is no matter how you get there. That's a right. lot of yards, but it's good to at least see though, that twofold one, Arizona is not afraid of giving him the football, which is something that the Saints were terrified about and giving him the football in a position that he can succeed in. And two is that he still, for whatever reason, I mean, because he's a, a robot, still has legs under him enough to take advantage of a good matchup. He took advantage of the Buccaneers when he first got traded to the to the Cardinals for two touchdowns in a big game. And he's taken advantage of an awful 49ers defense. So I don't necessarily know if he is... I don't think he's at all someone who you should be making moves to get or you should be consistently starting in your flex. But I do think that if the 40, if the Cardinals have a favorable running game matchup, a run, you know, matchup against the run defense, he is definitely someone who you could maybe pop in as a flex option because he's shown that he's been able to, to take advantage of those matchups. Yeah, I, I think you're right. But if we look at his schedule coming up, we've got the Seahawks at the Texans, the Jags, the Rams, the Titans, at the team from Washington, and then you know you finish with the Giants. So I would play. I would play him at against the Jags, but that's really it. And even and that's just because yeah. the Jags, their their pass defense is so good, and they're still working on their run defense. But they that's plenty of times for them to like change and adjust to get their run defense up to par too. Yeah, and I think I don't mean to make the lazy comparison, but it's like Chris Johnson when we all thought he was done, right. and then Bruce Arians decided, no, you're getting 20 touches a game, and he turned into a serviceable running serviceable running back. Because I'm not trying to dog Peterson; it's just he set the bar so high for what you expect from Adrian Peterson, and he's not there anymore. He's still like, I'd still rather have him than Rob Kelly if we're just sure. talking talent. Just and if Rob him. Kelly's getting 30 touches, that's why you drafted Rob Kelly right. in the fifth round. Uh, so the big winner here, because I thought this game was just awful, is that we're getting to see Larry Fitzgerald play another year. He looked really good this game. Again, he's not what he used to be, but he's still very good. He made a couple of big catches this game. I just always had a special place in my heart for Larry Fitzgerald ever since he and Anquan Bolden played together. God, so I love that. Yeah, I mean, that's, such, that's such a big win. Underrated uh, receiving duo. In, yeah. in, 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 and 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 I maybe not NFL history, but like at least in the last decade of or you know in this in this generation of the NFL, that was such a Larry Fitzgerald just did everything, and and Anquan Bolden was such a tough yeah. son of a, bitch, and that he just took whatever came and was just was always got to do the gritty yards and just worked underneath and just took hit after hit and he was a monster. That was a great receiver duo. Yeah, uh, and then also last winner is uh, 49ers fans. You're going to have a really nice pick next year. And it uh, doesn't need to be a quarterback. Yeah. I, I Jimmy think you give Jimmy, the future. Don't tell me otherwise. I think you give Jimmy 22. And I think if you're picking one, you still pick someone else first. Because uh, they run a complicated offense. The, the Shanahan offense is difficult. It's a lot of play action. You have to know where your third and fourth wide receiver is. And you have to know where to go. It's not like the West Coast, like, hike back in the shotgun, plant your foot, and then throw it to the crosser. So uh, San Francisco is going to have a nice pick. They're going to have a a good chance to get a good starting QB. Uh, it only cost them a second-round pick and probably like $20 million a year for two years, probably. Right. So no. they're, in, they're, they're in the catbird seat. They're, they've got a lot of good things going for them, and it's just going to be a 
really bad year for them to get to the rebuilding okay, stage. No, I think so too. And I think, I think that this was kind of John Lynch's plan. I believe going in the whole way, like he knew this roster was very deployed of talent. He brought in a, a offensive, very smart head coach who, mm-hmm. you know, Kyle Shanahan, uh, who has shown to being able to run an offense and has shown that his impact is unique to him. All of the Falcons offense just completely falling apart this year without him. Um, and I think you give them a year, get them talent, and see what he can do next year. Moving on to the game we have alluded to this team many times before. The Los Angeles Rams go into the Meadowlands and beat the New York Giants because guess what? Jared Goff is legit. Turns out Jeff Fisher can't coach for it worth a damn. There we go. Uh so, big winner from this game is Jared Goff Truthers, just like yours truly. Had a 311 yards, four touchdowns, uh, most fantasy points by a quarterback. I will say in parentheses so far as there is a Monday night game currently going on, but it is Brett Hundley, who I don't think is doing great, versus Matt Stafford, who, even if he throws two touchdowns, is not going to beat. Uh, yeah, we're at 17-3. I feel like Goff is set. For I feel game. like Goff is uh, going to solidify that. He's also He also had the best rope index uh, rating this week for quarterbacks, which is our in-house stat created by Patty Cooper, who we brought on. But yeah, so Jared Goff. I mean, it's amazing what happens. This is, this is what every uh, franchise, every fan base, every, every uh, front office, this is their like wet dream is you draft a first-round quarterback who looked awful in his rookie season, and then all you needed was just a coaching change. And now suddenly he is leading one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL this season, which is crazy. Yeah, and so I I decided to sit Sammy Watkins in my most important league. Like, it's the lowest money league that I want to win the most. And I'm playing my best friend on the planet. And so I sit Sammy Watkins, of course, uh, course. in favor of late addition – T.Y. not T.Y. Hilton. T.J. Yeldon. So I'm oh, like, no. he had a huge game. Four nets out. This is going to be beautiful. I'm watching Red Zone like oh. five minutes into the day. Like 70-yard touchdown for Sammy Watkins. It's like, duh. But yeah, you're really excited if you're a Rams fan. You've been behind Jeff Fisher thinking uh, he's the reason that they're so bad. And it turns out you're right. You have right. a new young coach come in, bring in one of the best D coordinators in football, and you're just lighting it up. It's a completely night and day situation. They've, they've outscored. They've scored more points this season through nine weeks or through eight weeks because they had their bye than uh, than the all of last year by like thirty points. It's preposterous what this right. offense is now doing and how bad Jeff Fisher was as a head coach. I mean, my gosh, it's just like you you have visible evidence and how poorly of a coach. He was. Anyways. Yeah. Good job, Rams fans. I'm, I'm glad you're not wallowing anymore. Uh, uh, oh, too bad your team moved. Too bad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, those, uh, so, sorry, St. Louis. Uh, loser for this game quickly, Eli Manning. And not because of a fantasy. There weren't too many fantasy winners or losers in this – or losers, I should say, in this game. Everyone pretty much performed as you expected them to. But in the actual football world, Eli Manning, a big loser. And, and, and I hate the guy. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I love to hate Eli because, shocker, Patriots fan. Hey, um, 
only 50% of the hosts hate Eli Manning, just for this the is, record. This is fair. This is fair. He has a 50% hate index on, on the RB1 podcast. But it is sad to spend your final years on a team that just doesn't have an offensive line. Like, it must just be this horrible, sinking, awful feeling that you're like, late 30s you've given this you've given this team two super bowls against arguably two of the most i mean not maybe not the 2010 so much but you beat the greatest offense ever in the nfl in 2007 for a super bowl mm-hmm. crushing as that was um and this and the team doesn't even get you it can't even afford to provide you with decent protection in your late 30s like you're just getting clobbered right and left like that's just got to be such a difficult mindset to like live in yeah, I think that's a good call. Uh, whether you like Eli Manning or not, Pete, he's had some good years, and you hate to see him go out like this. Uh, and you were hoping this year maybe he would have enough receivers to throw uh, to throw enough quick hitters and to keep defenses off balance enough, and then maybe get something from a good secondary and a good pass rush that they had last year. Just all of that. Nope. It's gone. Just nope. The- none of it's working. Um, Let's do this. Clark, you have alluded to this game over and over and over and over again. It's the game that everyone wants to talk about. We put it in the middle of the episode on purpose so that you at least had to listen to this point. The Cincinnati Bengals take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, but more importantly, it's the A.J. Green versus Ramsey! Battle to the death! Yeah, oh, that was pretty metal. I like that. Uh, So the... I haven't watched the coach's film yet, and I'm sure if you don't live in a hole like I do and refuse to go on social media and Sports Center, you've seen whatever led up to this. But, I have not. Okay, so the only thing that I saw is that Ramsey uh, gave AJ Green a little shove, which you see hundreds of times in All a game, time. and it knocked him over. And then AJ Green grabs him from behind as if an untrained bouncer at a nightclub. <laughs> takes him down and proceeds to punch him in the helmet several times. Now I'm not a doctor or a wide receivers coach, but if you make your living with your hands, probably not a great idea to punch the helmet. Not exactly great to punch the thing that's constructed to protect your head from impact. Now this reminded me of another great AFC Mm -hmm. South wide receiver versus cornerback battle something near and dear to my heart when the great andre johnson took on some corner whose name i don't even care to remember at least andre johnson was smart enough to rip his helmet off first and then pummel his little face you if you watched if you watched the aj green jalen ramsey battle to the death and you were like man this is entertaining and fun and i wish the nfl had more of this you have not seen anything until you go to youtube and you search andre johnson Cortland finnegan finnegan that's what it was because this this little suplex that uh, that aj green pulled on jalen ramsey is pales in comparison to what andre johnson did to Cortland finnegan andre johnson Cortland finnegan pressed andre johnson andre johnson proceeds to punch him in the face to knock his math helmet off Flip him onto the ground and just sucker punch him three times to like the side of the head. It wasn't a sucker punch. It was a beatdown. He beat didn't down. like catch him walking by. And in and in that one, that's why I was so interested to go back and watch the coaches tape. And that one, you saw all game Andre Johnson pleading with the refs of like, this guy's right. hitting me in the throat. 
This guy's grabbing my face mask. And the refs just weren't calling anything. And so Andre Johnson, I'm a man that went to the U, just decided that it's time to take matters into my own hands. And he did. Respect. Uh, Respect. So whatever Ramsey did, good for him. Because your job as a cornerback is to eliminate the other team's number one wide receiver. And I think he's done that for two games. Because if I'm the NFL, you cannot allow what AJ Green did to Yeah, pass. he got AJ AJ got suspended. Oh no, AJ hasn't gotten suspended. Mike Evans got suspended next week. Well, he should have also gotten suspended. You can cover that when you get game. to the Bucks. But yeah, he should AJ have Green. Yeah. Cannot. I mean, and I'm not gonna get on my high moral horse here, but like <laughs> you can't do that to another athlete in a game. Yeah. No. That's just not okay. Uh, so yeah, that's it. The the winner here, the Jaguars fans, it looks like your team's legit. I hate to say Seriously. this as a Texans fan, y'all actually look pretty good. The loser here are people like me who thought uh, Mixon was the next big yeah. thing. He's just not looking great. And hopefully it's just because he's a rookie, but nah, just meh, just really meh. Just he meh. gets you a touchdown and he helps owners, but like not a great game. It's not looking I just good. feel like there are certain teams in the NFL where talented players go to die. And I feel like the Bengals is one of those things. Like just, and, and and you can take this with, with a lot of different players throughout the years. Like if you take any of those guys and put them on a team that like seemingly can maximize talent, like you feel like they would have phenomenal careers. Like Andre Johnson on any team that like, imagine pairing him with, imagine him. I know this would just, just burn you to even comprehend, but say he's on the Colts with Peyton Manning in that time period. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's magic. I, I like watching good players realize their talent. And even though I loved watching Andre Johnson play for the Texans, he was catching balls, like you said, from Matt Schaub. Right. So, yeah, it would have been great to see him with a real quarterback. It would have been. That being been. said, in the, Andre, in the Andre Johnson department, and, of course, this episode is all about Andre Johnson. I didn't know if you everyone knew that. If we, just call it, we just call it the Johnson department. Right, it's a, right, right. And I didn't know if if you, the listeners, knew that when you were coming into this week's episode that we weren't actually doing a week nine, week nine recap. We were just basically doing a love letter to Andre Johnson. It's a 2007 fantasy football podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, if he was on any other team, if he wasn't on the most recent expansion team to be created, uh, I think we would not have fully been able to like see and witness the beauty that was Andre Johnson as a person uh, so much as a player. Anyways, sticking in the realms of WWE wrestling fights, we do move on to the Bucks and the Saints. Uh, so quickly, before I do my, I'll do my my winner last since since my loser is Mike Evans. So we'll talk about this fight. Um, well, also loser Jameis Winston. There's a lot going on in this game. Basically, for those who don't know what happened, what conceivably happened was that Jameis Winston. And uh, Marshawn Lattimore, the rookie corner for the Saints, who's been playing out of his mind, uh, had been jawing on the sideline. Jay Winston, like, taps him on the shoulder, and he, like, basically is jawing at him. Marshawn Lattimore turns around. And I guess at this moment, Mike Evans, like, 30 yards away, decides, oh, my God, Marshawn Lattimore is about to fight my quarterback on the sideline. And so just guns at him like a missile. And suddenly he just – it's it, – it's funny. I mean, I don't I don't want to say it's funny, but it's funny to watch the replay because he literally comes out of nowhere and just rocks Marshawn Lattimore. Just suddenly just like, you see the Buick enter from side screen and, and just, just clobber him. Um so but shockingly did not get injected ejected for the game, which was stupid. Even he was surprised by that, which I mean, come on. 
that gets you that gets you knocked out 100 anywho so he's suspended next week so let that kind of uh sit in your brain but more so than that he's a loser for this game not only for that but also because he had one catch for 13 yards and i think this hit encapsulates his emotions right now i think he's pretty frustrated this season and it hasn't been a great season for him I just think I think he's got a lot of pent up frustration and for this how the season has gone, especially after what he did last year and the expectations and all of and hard knocks. I think he that was a, re, a little bit of a release for him that he needed to have, not the right release. Let me say, yeah. you know, kids out there, when you're stressed, don't go hitting another person. Uh, right. Instead, do a bunch of push ups. I mean. Football is a very violent game, but there's still bounds to the violence. Right. And this was just really, even though I was just celebrating Andre Johnson for literally beating another man. Same thing. Don't pay attention to the disparity thoughts. Uh, really uncalled for. Come on, man. Come yeah. on. Uh, like. Three winners from this game. Alvin Kamara. Guy's been putting together, I mean, a possible rookie of the year season. I My think boy. It, Alvin if Kareem Kamara. Hunt continues to kind of continue down this downward trajectory and Kamara is rockets up, people don't remember the first half of the season when it comes to reward voting. They remember the last three weeks of the season. And Alvin Kamara continues to play like this and helps propel the Saints into the postseason again. I would almost say he's a lock for rookie of the year. He had 10, 10 rushes, 10 attempts for 68 yards and a touchdown, plus six catches for 48 yards and another touchdown. And the beauty of him from a fantasy standpoint is that he – gets production with or without Mark Ingram, which is amazing. And a rarity to find in, in a running back committee is that he will always get his touches and is not reliant on Mark Ingram in the sense that like, if Mark Ingram is playing super, super well and is getting, you know, is averaging five yards carry, the saints really want to just run the ball. Alvin Kamara will still get his touches because he's just that integral into the passing game. If Mark Ingram is having a really bad game and the saints still want to be able to try to drum up some running, some, you know, run offense, Alvin Kamara is good enough to be that then starting workhorse running back out of the backfield. So he has been, he has been a fantastic, fantastic fantasy get. Uh, yeah. Big, big player in PPR for you. And you said the earlier that the saints, you know, didn't want to give the ball to Adrian Peterson. Uh, I think this is one of the extremely rare cases to use the cliche, really addition by subtraction here. Now that everybody has their defined role, both Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara are good rushers and good catchers or good receivers out of the backfield. So you don't know what's going to happen. And they're both being used really well on an exceptionally hot Saints right. team. They're just kind of back to their old ways and they've got that defense that's getting turnovers and make things happening. So it's a, a big renaissance for the Saints and Kamara and Ingram are two of the big benefactors to that. Yeah. Quick other two winners. Uh, you mentioned it, Saints defense. I told them in my waiver wire write-up that I do every Monday, I said add them. Why not? I added them in a couple leagues, and they paid off handsomely for me. Uh, if you need a defense, if you like to stream your defenses or whatever, they're still under-owned because people still just don't respect them because they're called the Saints. I mean, it took me a while to respect them. I would 100% add them. Uh, and finally, the biggest winner from the week is the Ryan Fitzpatrick curse, which is 100% legit. Uh, Winston's going to be missing the next two weeks because of ligaments in his shoulder. So Fitz Magic baby is alive and well in the NFL, all ready for a revenge game against the New York Jets. 
three touchdowns and six interceptions coming in the next Let's two weeks. Let's go, Fitzy. Uh, moving on to a game that I called incorrectly because I have little faith in my starting fantasy quarterback, Marcus Mariota, which is upsetting because I had such high expectations for him coming into the season. The Titans at the Ravens. Uh, Clark, give it to me. What are, what are Who are the winners and losers from this? So the winner is Delaney Walker for about, I guess, two or three years. Everybody said he's not going to do what he did last year. That was kind of a fluke. Uh, but this is a tight end that I saw return a kickoff for a touchdown a few years ago. I've always loved Delaney Walker, and he's just been really consistent this year on an offense that's really struggled to find anything else in the receiving game. Uh, we saw Corey Davis come back this game, and he had a really nice catch on the sideline, tapped his toes down, and you could see that's why this guy got picked so high, and that's why they're so excited about him. Didn't do much other than that, but first game back. Uh, so. The big winner here is Delaney Walker, I think. The big loser here is Marcus Mariota. So he is being, and this is not an original thought. I've heard other people say this. uh, He's really being held back by this offense. You see him play and you see him scramble and throw on the move and you're like, that's beautiful. And then you don't see him do it again for another quarter and a half. Um, I I want to see him throw the ball. I mean, Rashard Matthews is good. They've got good wide receivers in Corey Davis and Delaney Walker. Both uh, both backs can catch the ball. They they have a lot of weapons, and it's just they eke out a crummy 23-20 game against a Ravens team that's completely inept. Uh, also, secondary winner, Danny Woodhead owners. He's coming Danny back. Danny Woodhead's back. Danny Woodhead's coming back, baby, and they need him. When you when uh, when the Ravens released that Danny Woodhead was coming off of IR, everyone that that shout that you just heard from a distance that was Clark. That was Clark's, Clark's cheer was so audible; it was audible across the entire nation. That's how excited he is for the return mm-hmm. of Danny Woodhead. Uh, I printed up T-shirts and everything. It's going to be a whole thing. We're selling them. Uh, RB1 podcastcom slash T-shirts. Uh, moving on. To the Falcons and the Panthers. Uh, big winner here is Cam Newton because guess what? Just like how you were saying that the Titans' offense kind of hamstrings Marcus Mariota. Well, guess what? The Panthers finally let Cam Newton be Cam Newton. And he did it so well. The Panthers let Cam run and it worked wonders on that offense. He had 137 yards through the air, but had nine carries for 86 yards and a posterizing touchdown which i didn't even think was something that we needed in the nfl but i believe that posterizing touchdowns should definitely be a thing now uh if you haven't seen it cam basically was rushing into the end zone and more or less dunked it on desmond trufant's head uh to score the touchdown so beautiful thing to witness but getting him involved in the ground game opened the offense up christian mccaffrey had one of his best games on the ground uh and the team was managed managed to rack up 200 yards rushing so I know that Ron Rivera heading into this season was like, we're going to use Cam less as a rusher, but you do what you can do. And he's the, that, that is his best weapon. What makes Cam Newton a legit quarterback threat or, or offensive threat is the fact that he can throw the football, but more importantly, the fact that he is basically a six foot five, 270 pound linebacker who can run extremely well. So Also pretty offensive threat with his views on women and their intelligence. I'm not going to let that go. Yeah. Well said. Well said. That is very true. Uh, another winner 
is the Titanic for getting a shout out from a professional athlete. You know, yeah, we just lost a great player, but nevertheless, you know, the 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 Titanic still has to go. That's that's big for an event that most people like us don't know about. So it's good for Cam to have told us that the Titanic was a big boat uh, that stayed afloat, much like the Panthers will for the rest of this season. So big on the Titanic. Good job. Uh, <laughs> I I constantly have to remind myself that these guys are like 27 and they've been told they're the best their whole lives and to cut them a little slack. Just oh, okay. Moving on <laughs> to the loser from this game. Uh, Julio Jones, Julio, Julio Jones, but really the entire Falcons offense. I lose uh, it. God, just, just sorry. Go ahead. It's so tough. It's so so really the Falcons offense. The Falcons offense has been struggling. But Julio had a chance to win this game and straight up dropped it, which is not something that like you ever see Julio do and not something that you want from your like number one receiver slash the best receiver in the league. Uh, right off the hands. Matt Ryan hit him right in the bread basket and it just dropped wide open. No one was even near him. Dropped it. Uh, he did have 118 yards on the game, but best wide receiver in the game. You make that catch. You're wide open. So mild technical difficulty there. Uh, anyway, that's the internet, folks. We broke it. We broke the internet. Uh, Clark, talk to us about a game that many people had written down as a offensive fantasy explosion. Um, did it live up to the hype? Kansas City versus Dallas. Uh, I really hope this game would be more interesting than it turned out to be. Right. Um, the winners here are Dak Prescott owners and the Cowboys. He is just as good as advertised. He keeps getting better. Yeah, they have a good run game, but it's not quite as good as it was last year. It's not absolutely dominant. He's starting to throw to to some receivers uh, not named Des Bryant, even though he kind of did that last year. He's starting to make people look really good. Um, the loser here is Kansas City that had a chance to to make up another game and really pull away in first now they're still in first by a couple of games but the kansas city offense that started off so hot is starting to look a little pedestrian the only person that's still looking really good is travis kelsey and he's dependent on alex smith who is no longer throwing the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage and having tyreek hill run for 85 yards so people are tricked into thinking he's actually throwing the ball downfield now burn yeah so uh, just a good game I don't like covering Dallas games when they win because I don't care for <laughs> Dallas, uh, but they looked really good and ugh, Dallas looks good. I don't care for it. I guess another real loser here is the fans with all this stuff going on with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, either some guy who beat his girlfriend is still playing in the NFL or some guy who did nothing has to go to court constantly and have this play out right in America. And you know, like, Football's a great escape, and sometimes you just want to watch football. And it's been about 12 weeks of this now. Like, let's get some resolution. And NFL, oh, never mind. I won't go off on that. We'll let's say a loser football. NFL PA loser right there. Uh, there's going to yeah. be a lockout coming real soon. <sighs> Learn let's how to bargain, uh, guys. Bring some people in from Major League Baseball to help yes. you out. There you go. Let's tackle the Thursday night game because – as you might have all forgotten by now, there was one. Uh, the Bills played at the Jets. And while I thought this was a chance for the Bills to 
further cement themselves as a possible AFC playoff team. They did not. And in fact, the Jets continued to tank at tanking uh, and pulled away the victory. Winner here, though, despite losing Tyrod Taylor. Uh, since he and the Bills didn't win, I figured I'd give him the win here. He had 285 yards with two touchdowns and 35 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He finally got production from Zay Jones, so that was nice to see. Uh, but really, the win here is based on the fact that he is about to add a six foot five wide receiver uh, to his passing arsenal, in which one that he was completely missing any form of a decent wide receiver. So. Tyrod Taylor has looked good this season so far with the with the receiving core, if you can even call that, that, that he's had. And now he's about to get a legit number one receiving threat. I am someone, like I mentioned before, in one of the in the league that I care about and starting Marcus Mariota. Not thrilled with that. So I've gone and made moves. I got Tyrod Taylor. I trust Tyrod Taylor going in through the rest of the season. I think he's a great quarterback who could have the potential to really start producing on a pretty decent and high fantasy level going into the fantasy playoffs. So he's someone that if he's available or if you can maybe take make a shrewd under-the-table maneuver for him, uh, I would I would recommend taking a flyer on him. Yeah, with you, I like Tyrod. I, I wouldn't say that he's great, but I'd say that his combination of skills are exactly what you're looking for out of that number eight to number 14 quarterback. Uh, he can pick up those yards rushing, and he's got that easy throwing motion to where he can just bomb it deep. Uh, may right. not be the most accurate quarterback in the world, but we've seen Kelvin Benjamin make up for inaccurate passes with another running I mean, that's, quarterback. That's literally, that's literally the why they drafted him. Is they drafted yeah. Kelvin Benjamin and, and, and Devin Funchess because they're both six five, and since Cam always throws high, they're like, well, if we got two six five receivers, then he can't overthrow two six five guys, which he yeah. just needs to do. But so it's going to be exciting. I'm really surprised that the Bills found a way to lose this game. Uh, I, again, this is why the NFL is so interesting. You just never know what's going to happen. Uh, but I, I think the Bills are actually good. They got they had one slip away from them, and, and Tyrod moving forward, very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, quick loser for this game, I have Matt Forte uh, because he just used up his one big game of the season, which means that there's no point in starting him ever again because he'll never have a game like this. But mainly, again, this is in the same realm, in the same vein as the Eli Manning loser. It's like, is this really how you wanted your career to end, Matt Forte? Playing for the Jets, where you're not really getting that much work and yeah. the Jets suck? Just on this general, like, is this how you want to have your career end? Just to throw the take out there, uh, if my career ends where I have kind of a crummy year at work but make $4 million, I'll take it. <laughs> You'll take it. You, you know call it a win. You call it away. I just love this recent trend in veterans coming out who first, when they first get like, you know, they play for their team for, for a long stretch of time, you know, for the majority of their career and they come out and they're, you know, veterans and they're probably got like three or four years left, blah, 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 blah. We know who we're talking about. They come out, they always say without fail, Oh, I want to play for a contender. Oh, my number one goal is to play for a contender. Oh, I want to make sure that I go to a team that's going to make it into the playoffs and give me a chance to win. Shocker. That never seems to happen. We Matt Forte went to the Jets. Eric Weddle went to the Ravens. Uh, I can think of other people. I only know those two because they were both tied to the Patriots. So Randy Moss went to the Patriots and won every game except the last one. Oh, that's uh, let's Joe Montana went to the Chiefs. I mean, Joe Montana. Hey, Tom Brady almost got traded to the 49ers. Who knows what's going on in this NFL? 
we're gonna have to maybe have like a special podcast so that you can explain <laughs> that one to me. I mean, <laughs> I love the chutzpah. Why not go for it? But what would you take for him? That's like, a good question. I don't understand. I don't know what it would take to pry Tom Brady away from the Patriots. I mean, okay, Tom Brady. I drafted him everywhere, and that's why I like him, and that's the only reason that I like him. Fair. But he is old. What are you looking at? Two more years? Right. And the thing is, is, and I guess for the 49ers, too, I don't necessarily know if I would want to make that. Because let's let's just say let's just say it costs you a first and a second this year and a first next a year. A 101 this year. Yeah. It costs you 101 this year and a second. Even if it's just 101 this year. Even if you're giving up the number one pick of the draft, which I don't think it would be just that. But let's just say that. Um Brady has only ever played in that system. You've never seen him outside of the system. And that's not to say that he's a system quarterback, but you're now taking a 40-year-old quarterback who's playing in a highly uh, offense filled with talent to an offense devoid of talent with no offensive line. I just, I don't know if you were the 49ers, you would never make that trade. I don't you're, think you'd make that trade. You're trying to put him into a zone run bootleg offense, which we saw how that looked even when the, I think the greatest of at least my generation went to Denver with Peyton Manning. Like he He was so good that he made it work, but there was nothing funnier. Nothing made me feel more athletic as an exceptionally overweight six foot man watching Peyton Manning run. So uh, like, I don't know. Again, I like, the I mean, the, right. The balls to do it is, is great. Like John Lynch on the yeah. phone being like, hey, if you're not trading grappler, what about Tom Brady? But I just, I, <laughs> I, on paper, when you first look at that, you're like, yeah, of course. Of course you would trade anything for Tom Brady. But in actuality, like he's going to cost you a lot. He's 40 years old. You're not putting him in a good offense. You're not going to win now. Makes no sense. Anyways. Uh, this way. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's, uh, let's get to your game of the week because uh, I saved the best for last. Uh, we still have. Uh, Sunday night football, but really we all want to hear your take on the Colts upsetting the Texans at home. If we can call it an upset now, now that Deshaun Watson is RIP pour some out. I wouldn't call it an upset. I think this one opened at like uh Texans minus 14. And then it came out that Deshaun Watson, of course is out for the year. And so I think it went down to Texans minus six. And uh, I thought that was it. If I had had any money stashed away at any online offshore casinos, I would have bet everything on the Colts because <laughs> the Texans have just lost too much. I mean, we've lost maybe yeah. the best defensive player in the league. Another fantastic, I would say, top 10 linebacker. All kinds of other folks. A good top 10. Li- I mean, the Texans are just... Right. They've lost too much. Now, having said that, against a horrible team... Like the Colts, they had a chance to win it in the end uh, because Mm -hmm. the Colts are also terrible because they've lost one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the year as well and several other pieces on defense. So enough rambling about that. So the winner here is T.Y. Hilton. I think T.Y. Hilton, again, has solidified he is a starter. Jacoby Brissett gives you enough uh, to where you're going to start Hilton. The Texans always struggle against fast wide receivers, and you saw that this game. 175 yards, two touchdowns, five catches on nine targets. T.Y. Hilton and Carson Wentz stacks are why I made a little money this weekend at DFS. So thanks for those last-minute lineups that I put together there. Um, 
the losers are the Texans wide receivers. Tom Savage is going to get them killed. Uh, I think he saw that Deshaun Watson made hay chucking it up to them and doesn't realize when you chuck it up to Will Fuller going across the middle in double coverage with the safety looking his chops 10 yards away, he's going to get murdered. Um, will kill him. So the Texans still made plays. They got a defensive touchdown here. And DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller are legit. Lamar Miller and Dante Foreman are a good combo in the backfield. But Texans, uh, you know, first and goal from the seven, it's 14 to 10 with like 20 seconds left. Tom Savage misses on three passes and then on fourth down gets the ball stripped before he can even give anybody a chance that last time. That's going to summarize the Texans rest of the season with Tom Savage. It's just, he's a decent backup quarterback and we've got a lot of skill players, but we're just not going to have enough to compete with good teams. Since we used our, our tangent to discuss how much it would cost to trade for Tom Brady quickly, Colin Kaepernick, does this not feel like a natural landing spot, even though Bob McNair is a racist old man? Yeah. Why not? I mean, so uh, I think people, my feeling in case people, this is the first time people have tuned in is, is I think it's really embarrassing for the NFL that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. Not because I think he's the best, but I think he's at least the 75th best quarterback on the planet. And I think when you see what a mobile quarterback who's willing to chuck it deep can do on this Texans team who just needs a little spark from the offense, uh, yeah, I would love to see them pick him up both for the social implications and for the NFL, you know, playing on the field implications. And it's not going to happen. I didn't know that my team's owner was embarrassing, but I, I... there's just no words, man. So hopefully he will feel like this is some way to save face and sign Colin Kaepernick. And then I'll get to go see a Texans game and buy a Kaepernick Jersey. I'm in. Hey, and that's, and that is all as a fan that we can ask for. Finally, we have the Sunday night football game of the Oakland Raiders at Miami Dolphins. Um, Again, I, at this point in the podcast, I want to pretend like this was exciting and was all worth our time. It was all right. It was a game. Uh, the winner here, though, I'll muster up some energy for this. Smokey Jake Cutler. Because, yes, sir. Anytime Jake Cutler throws for 300 plus yards and multiple touchdowns, I can get excited for that. Uh, I have I have in all capitals in my notes. OMG. He's back ripping the ball all over the field. OMG. So God bless garbage time. Uh, he had 311 yards or whatever. Th- three touchdowns. Does does this mean Jay Cutler's back? God no. <laughs> this is a complete anomaly. But nope. hey, fun to watch it anyways. Uh, loser is clarity in the Dolphins' backfield. If you thought that this game would show you any sign as to whom the Dolphins were planning and replacing as their workhorse back now that they traded away Jay Ajayi, sadly you weren't given much. Uh, Kenyon Drake had nine carries for sixty nine yards. Nice. Uh, <laughs> On six targets for 35 yards. He did lose a fumble, so that's something to take note. Whereas Damon Williams uh, had seven carries for 14 yards, who's majorly less productive, but had six receptions for six uh, six targets, 47 yards, and a touchdown. So your guess is as good as mine as to who actively will be the, you know, who will have the most touches and and the most time in the Dolphins' backfield going forward. But my winner here was 
in all of my leagues where we have free agent budgets, watching everyone waste their money on Damon Williams and uh, Kenyon Drake. Nothing against those guys. Obviously, they're fine running backs, but neither one of them I don't think is going to win you any games. Uh, got to see Devontae Parker come back. I was excited about that. Jay Cutler did look good for the first half, uh, but the biggest winner from this game was me getting to bed early. And with that, we will get to bed early. Uh, so make sure to follow us on uh, the Twitter sphere at RB1 Podcast. Well, actually, really what you should do, more so than that, don't even follow us on Twitter if you don't care. What you should do is you should subscribe, rate, review, tell us you love us, tell us why you love us, tell us maybe we should add more games because you all know I love creating games. Uh Tell us whatever you want to tell us. Leave it in the reviews. Maybe we'll start reading reviews on the podcast if they're fun and exciting. I mean, come on, people. Engage with us. Uh, we could have dueling radio guy voices. We could see who has the best radio voice. Dang it. Uh, you already won. I know. I try my best. <laughs> this is why I'm the humble host. I'm so humble. Yeah, so subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, follow myself on the Twitter sphere if you are so inclined, at P.M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Uh, we hope John is going to feel better. We hope he is feeling better already. John, we want you on the podcast. We miss you. We miss your delightful witticisms and your beautiful takes on the Packers team that is currently probably still losing on Monday Night Football because they don't have a good quarterback. 27-10 with two minutes to go. Oh, so sad. So sad. I'm going to walk out of this room and my fiance will be sitting on the couch in full depression. As always, we care about your fantasy football team and we will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>